Hey, I'm Zach. I'm Bridget. Hi, I'm Adam. And we've never seen Godzilla. Never. (laughs) Never. Not at once. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fine. I'll Watch This. My name is Johnny, and this is the show where we convince one of our friends to watch a classic movie that they have never seen. It has escaped them some way or another. This month, we are in the midst of our Monster March Madness. Uh, last week, we watched King Kong. I watched it for the first time. I am still uh, very much high and shook from that movie from last week. And yeah, it it was awesome. I loved every minute of it. But as you heard from the top, I'm joined by Adam, Bridget, and my cousin, Zachariah. All three of them have not seen Godzilla, 1954's version, the Japanese version of it. So I'm going to start actually with our guest tonight, Zach. Um, We have a little bit of a history watching monster movies as kids, uh, maybe more so myself than him. But uh, Zach, what is your history with Godzilla as it relates to this podcast? My cousin Johnny is uh, such a Godzilla fanboy, <laughs> and that, that's like my exposure to Godzilla. That and Rodan. Oh, Rodan's a good one. Yeah. So, so you had a poster in your room. I think it was Charles Barkley uh, playing basketball with Godzilla, and they're fighting over the ball, and Godzilla's got his tail wrapped around Barkley's <laughs> leg. I will put this up on the Twitter, but if you guys have not seen this, all I've I think all I have is the like an eBay posting of it. But if you have not seen this this poster, it is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an incredible poster, and it's one of those things that I'd wish that I'd saved. Um, it's probably probably got ripped to shreds at some point, or got you know paint on it, or whatever. You slap a supermodel I, over top of it. Just... Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. But uh, I, yeah, it was something that I wish I held on to with a lot of other. Uh, memorabilia as a kid but zach just a little bit more sort of like you know you we were always i was always the godzilla uh fan and uh you were always sort of on the king kong side do you want to share why that was yeah um well first of all godzilla it became like a power rangers thing it's like the the chump of the month that godzilla whoops you know uh, <laughs> there's so many godzilla movies and Godzilla's like muhammad ali he's just whooping everybody um <laughs> Every new monster. Uh, so I don't really know. I think it's because I was exposed more to King Kong and you were exposed more to Godzilla. And it was like that competitive, like, uh, my guy's better. But gorillas are pretty – we try not to swear, right? I no, keep catching myself. Because gorillas can, you are you pretty badass. Fucking gorilla, yes. Yeah. yeah, and he's like a big badass gorilla. So Wait, badass was the swear you wanted to say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a teacher, so I have an excellent filter. So that's like the fourth time I caught myself um, already. But yeah, I mean, I think it, it was as simple as that, that I had more exposure to King Kong and I thought he was badass and Johnny's guy was Godzilla. So it was like a competitive thing. Right, right. And I know we, I think you have, me and you have definitely viewed the, what we'll end up watching next week, it, uh, week is uh, the older version or the original version of Godzilla vs. King Kong. And I know we've seen that a bunch as a kid. It's it's very hazy to me. I'm sure it's as hazy. To, well, maybe not you because you're kind of a savant. 
but um, I think that's kind of really the extent of it. Did did you did you watch any of like the newer Godzilla iterations? I know there was a there was one in the nineties. Um, there was one as of two thousand fourteen. I mean, have you seen any of those? Yeah, who's the fellow who holds the boombox outside the girl's door? John Cusack. Yeah, there was one with John Cusack. Oh, and you that might one... be. No, you're thinking of Matthew, Matthew Broderick, Broderick, my friend. Yeah. Oh, Matthew Broderick. Okay. Yeah, you're guy. thinking of Ferris Bueller. Oh, okay. we got. I got. We got off the rails really quickly. <laughs> Different and, 80s. Yeah, that was Godzilla 1998. So that one was god awful. Yeah, it's horrendous. The, the newest one that came out, the most recent Godzilla, is pretty badass. It's what Godzilla should be. It was intense. It was like whoa, in your face, like intimidating just like a wow factor and it was actually scary for that reason and that's what godzilla should be so that one gets thumbs up from me cool cool i i guess i'll turn it over to bridget bridget i know you're a big dinosaur fan i am um you like a few scales in your movies um (laughs) um, what is your history with the big green baddie so i feel like there was like a big Godzilla resurgence in the nineties that I caught wind of just growing up. Uh, I know I've not seen this version mostly because all of the classic Godzilla movies that I have seen uh, have all been dubbed instead of subtitled. Sure. Yeah. So I know at least it's not, I've not seen this one, um, but I've seen the one with his kid. I've seen Mothra. Son of Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple. Godzilla 2000, I think, was one uh, that was rented on on an occasion in my house. I have three brothers, so that like added to it, you know. Sure. If you're gonna be like, what are we gonna rent tonight? Little Women or Godzilla? And it's three against one. You're gonna end up with Godzilla a lot of the time. Um, well, what about Godzilla vs. Little Women? That would have been yeah. one, right? <laughs> well, speaking, like speaking of, there actually is a, it's not, it is the Mothra one, but the Mothra has, uh, and for our viewers who don't know who Mothra is, it's a giant butterfly moth uh, creature that Godzilla um, uh, fights, and one of the, uh, the one of the chumps, as Zach says, um, but... The this moth this Mothra is controlled by two little Japanese women. Though yes, there is a Little Women versus Godzilla movie. All right. <laughs> I see. God, I just want that to be real so badly now, though. <laughs> what stomping with a fighter or something or what? Yeah. <laughs> it's going through the or it's like Godzilla and Bridgerton. Just like get them all up in the floofy, <laughs> the shirts and everything. Just do it. That's yeah. the collaboration we need to heal the nation. <laughs> um. I do think Godzilla as a concept, you know, some of the themes that I know run through this movie are very interesting uh, from a historical perspective, which I think we'll probably talk a lot more about in the after portion of the show. And these are themes that you can kind of see run through a lot of like Japanese films. So I am very intrigued to see this, the OG. Very, very cool. And Adam, why don't you let us know what your history is with Godzilla? 
Uh, so I talked about a little bit about it last week when we were kind of touching on the the monster universes, and I think uh, I have not seen any Godzilla thing except for the '98 one that played on all of the you know media play Sam Goody <laughs> televisions. That you know I would have spent hours in looking at all the the different things and caught wind of probably most of that movie completely out of order. But I think that's it. I have not wow. yet seen the 2014 one it's been in my it's been on that list of things to do sure for you know forever but i will uh i was planning already to catch up to the universe that will be debuting the you know the godzilla versus kong the new one so i still have to watch the the 2014 godzilla and then the king of the monsters one from 2018 or whatever it right because you've already seen the newer kong skull island correct yeah, yeah so i have seen that one i don't know why godzilla never really did it for me despite the the power rangersy nature of it which i do i do love you know the power rangers it's, so it's fair fairly spot on <laughs> yeah so like i get you know i get it i've you know i've seen enough clips of things because again godzilla very much like king kong is one of those things that just permeates popular culture i mean you you like know Monica. yeah exactly and you know even if you've never seen it, you know kind of the the history of the character, so to speak. You know what his M.O. is of trampling through the city and eating cars and ripping buildings in half. Like, I I <laughs> totally get the concept and the idea of it. So this won't be a thing like, I have no idea what to expect. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no yeah. <laughs> I know what Godzilla is. I know what he's about. I know that he's hungry for cars and buildings, and we're gonna, you know, I'm sure see some of that in uh, in this today. But I don't, yeah, I don't know why it never was a thing that I gravitated towards. I don't think I really knew a bunch of people that liked Godzilla, you know, growing up. It's kind of niche, yeah. I mean, you kind of had to like be given the toy as a kid or something like that. I'm not even sure how I was really introduced to it, but. Yeah, I think it's like you said. It's not like everyone is watching Godzilla movies like they were. Like it's like maybe like the Power Rangers or or anything else in sort of that like uh, era of uh, sort of um, using models and things of that nature. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that might have had the Power Rangers might have had a lot to do with it because I would have had. Oh, abs- absolutely. I mean, the they were flashy... completely influenced by it. Well, yeah, and I, but I would have had the new flashy, colorful you know version of it with you know teenagers that i could you know look up to or whatever and you know cool costumes and things and not monster versus monster or monster versus city um so i think that probably would have been like well i don't need to go watch the black and white monster sure going through the city i have cool colorful bombastic power rangers it's basically the same thing but this one's new and fun and i'm eight so like (laughs) let's let's do it (laughs) i hear you yeah i mean for for me Godzilla, even though I've seen it a bunch of times, was one that wasn't heavily rotated as the other ones that were in color and a lot more maybe exciting to a uh, to an uh, you know whatever a five year old, a four year old. I mean, listen, it was I was I was young enough where I was calling. I believe my parents said I used to call Godzilla Vanilla because I couldn't pronounce my word properly. Um, so I was like, I want to watch Vanilla, Vanilla. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. So I don't. I probably couldn't pronounce Godzilla, and probably until I was like eighteen or something. <laughs> but Bridget, I, take your hands down. Keep laughing. That's <laughs> she's beside herself. I know her heart's like racing out of her chest. <laughs> uh, then even when it came down to like like the video game system, I always like I want this. I want that new Super One. I want even though I want a Sega Genesis, I just didn't know what it was. I got a Super Nintendo because I just misspoke essentially, which. I, I'm glad that I did get that. <laughs> but with Godzilla, I quickly sort of fell in love with all, all of those movies, all of those sort of Godzilla, Chomp of the Week sort of stuff. I mean, 
I had all like the VHS copies of every single one. I ran them through. I had, I remember going into like CVS or a pharmacy with my mother and I saw Rodan on VHS and like, I like, I begged her to like buy it for me. It was like a two or $3 bin VHS and I spun that a bunch of times. But yeah, there is an error of these movies from like 19, uh, so 54 all the way to about 1975 where they're fairly, uh, focused more on like kids, like towards kids with this one in particular, it's more, uh, stark and there's a lot more mature commentary going on and then it gets kind of goofy. And then later on they sort of revisit and try to make them a little more scarier in the eighties and the nineties. Um, and then especially later on with the 2014 one, but there was a campiness that was very attractive to, to kids and myself. That had and I, I to the point where I like as of like this past year I I bought all of them like on Blu-ray it was like a big Criterion set it was like a hundred dollars was like fifteen movies and I'm like I want to watch these nice. um, again yeah it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a really nice set unfortunately all of those are not in uh, Japanese so that's like one thing that I remember when I was a kid that a lot of them were uh, dubbed um, in English and this one tonight will not and that's one I want to touch on so there are two versions of this movie um one is the 1954 the original japanese one and then there's an americanized version where it is dubbed not only is it dubbed but they they reshot parts of it or it tried to insert shots of a sort of american guy commentating if you will sort of like a reporter type of guy sort of commentating on the entire movie like we weren't smart enough to follow the subtitles or the commentary and not only that for a movie that's about post world war ii with Japan being bombed with nuclear weapons. I mean, this whole movie is about those anxieties and everything that I think Amer- the American version takes a lot of that stuff out because they just, I mean, for, for good reason, they will sort of want to not, not shift the blame, but sort of take it away or unfocus that part of it. So it's very, it's very genial. They take a lot of stuff out. It's very heavily edited. So this is the one that you want to watch. It's, it's going to be in Japanese. It's going to have subtitles, but it's going to be darker. It's going to sort of be a little more stark. And again, I think if we have a chance to watch the original, which I think we have on HBO, then that's that's the one we'll uh, we'll be going with tonight. I guess really kind of before we jump too much into the movie, do you guys have any like real expectations with this movie? And I guess maybe sort of King Kong, seeing King Kong. I know Zach wasn't a part of uh, last week's. He did. I we did speak in between uh, the two podcasts, and he had sort of heard how much I was excited about King Kong. So I had he actually watched it himself. But maybe Zach, starting with you, what is sort of maybe your expectations? Uh, having seen Kong and going into this, which is, you know, I think maybe 20 years later, but still a black and white monster movie. Yeah, I was about to bring that up, that it's 20 years later, so it should be improved upon the formula. So I really actually liked, I know that some of us didn't, some of us do, but I really liked the way that King Kong moved. I thought the the, uh, stop motion was pretty cool. And to me, Kong was moving like a wrestler, And like some of his moves on the dinosaur and just like uh, every once in a while he would throw a punch like a human being. It was just (laughs) it's just like really enjoyable. And he took his sweet time. It wasn't like a like a total ass whooping. He took his time and it was real gritty battles. It was pretty cool. He took pleasure in it. It was a complete macabre (laughs) nature to the entire thing. Like it was just like he he drew it out. He drew it out. Yeah. And then like throwing people in the mud and they're screaming and then he just steps on him, smushes them deeper in the mud. I just love that. But <laughs> anyway, it's 20 years later. I expect – I'm hoping that they're going to improve on the looks, the way Godzilla moves, and I hope the sound quality is even better because uh, that's one layer of intensity that movies can bring is through the audio. And I heard that – should I say something that I heard about this movie? It's the first to start something 
just, 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 just leave it. The way they made it. It's it's about the way that they portrayed Godzilla. What? That is a man in a suit? Yes, exactly. So they call it <laughs> suit motion. Suit motion. <laughs> or no, no, I'm sorry. Suitmation. Suitmation. Instead of claymation oh, or, or animation, it's a, a suitmation. And I'm like, hmm, how does suitmation stack up to stop motion? So we'll see. And I hope that it's it's scarier looking. I hope it moves better and that it's got good sound. And then another little tidbit. I Originally, the movie was supposed to have a giant octopus and they decided to do a dinosaur. So now I'm, I'm going to look at it and be like, would it have been better if it was a giant octopus? Well, we will have to see. I guess uh, just Bridget real quick, as far as what your expectations with this, having seen all the glory and the technical achievement of King Kong, what are you expecting with this one? I don't really know. King Kong threw me for such a loop that I am very open to whatever Godzilla is going to do, whatever punches he's going to throw my way. I'm also still reeling from the term suit motion or suit mation <laughs> <laughs> and just it like wiped my uh, brain of thoughts. I love yeah. that. So Adam, um, I don't know. I'm a little conflicted on this. I, I don't really know what to expect. I feel like it will be a good movie, but I think when I watch King Kong for the fir- for the very first time, like when I did it, I find the animation while, you know, fantastic for its time inherently silly uh just because i find stop motion to be inherently silly i associate it with things like wallace and gromit and like robot chicken and things so like to me stop motion has always been kind of a goofy medium so seeing so like seeing king kong and and having that that mindset kind of always throws me a little bit which is why i say i laugh at the face every time because i just think it's really (laughs) silly so i don't know how this being uh suitmation will uh, will change my thought process on it or if i'll still find it silly and that will impact like if the movie's supposed to be intense or dramatic or scary if i will not feel those things uh because i'm expect because i'm seeing a really goofy thing in front of me uh, and whether or not that will kind of play with my thoughts afterwards right right um, right so it's it's a little apprehensive for that reason because I don't want that to take me out of it. I want to be able to enjoy it for the classic that it is. Sure. Um, but maybe in an entirely different way <laughs> than I'm supposed yeah, to. I, yeah, I, I think you're either going to enjoy it in two ways. And again, not to sort of like not like crap. I would not, never crap on this movie. But yeah, there are two people. There are two camps of people who enjoy this movie. And you are right. There's ones who sort of take it as a very serious they get over the fact of what it maybe looked like to them right away, but all the other elements around them, the score, the sound effects, the the story, the commentary and everything that's been going on in post-World War II mm-hmm. are very sweeping. They're very believable. They're very – you sort of get swept up in, in the whole movie. And then there's the other camp, which again, I'm not going to touch into too much, but you can kind of figure it out, that camp, taking it maybe not as seriously and enjoying it on that level. So we'll yeah. see which one you sort of uh, end up coming up on. But I think – yeah, I think uh, for me, I think you guys are probably going to uh, end up enjoying this movie. I will say I'm always going to be in, in uh, Godzilla's uh, corner, especially going into the, the, the latter part of this month with some of the, the final the, the battles we'll have with these uh, these two uh, beasts. But I will say Kong, Kong last week, maybe highly reconsider whose corner I want to be in. But Ooh. I think my hands, my hands are still on Godzilla's shoulders. I'm rubbing it in. You got a big guy. I know you can get it next week. I know you can get it the next week. But man, like 
the first first King Kong is a, is a force to be reckoned with. So uh, I don't know. I have I'm, a question. You sure we may have an answer? Is is Kong just another chump of the month, or has Godzilla met his match? <laughs> so done. <laughs> Time that'll to watch a, the movie. That'll make a great <laughs> preview clip, Adam. Um, <laughs> maybe they're both chumps. Uh, so, anyways, I think we are all set to go back in time a little bit and revisit this black and white monster madness. So, guys, what do you have to say for yourselves? Fine. Fine. I'll, I'll watch it. I'm going to watch it, too. <laughs> <laughs> We are back. We have just finished the original Godzilla, black and white, in subtitles. I'm going to start with Zach on this one. What are your immediate thoughts after seeing this original Godzilla movie? Wow, I almost spit my water out when I realized I'm going to be on the spot. Well, you're the guest. I mean, that's how this works. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess I'll start with what I was expecting to see. I was hoping that it would be scarier looking than King Kong, which came out 20 years earlier. I was hoping that it would have better movement than King Kong, which came out 20 years ago. Suitmation, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah is that it? Suitmation? Yeah. Uh, this you is the word you it, introduced. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're Suitmation Nation. Are we big fans? <laughs> no, we're not. We are not big all right, we're, Yeah, we're, we're, all, we're all big fans. Okay, and then good sound. I have to admit, I gave it good sound. I think it might have better sound than King Kong. I would agree with you on that. When I first started watching, okay, when it's just audio and they have, um, you know, the credits rolling, just that audio starting with footsteps, I was like badass. That was my initial thought to the very introduction of the movie. And then when the roar comes in, it's just like insane. It goes to the level of insane. It's like, holy shit. What a way to start the movie. That had an impact for me. And that was like this movie's strongest attribute was the sound. So starting off with that was a, was a bold yeah. move, was a strong move, and it set the tone. You can see for like other like, – like maybe Jaws or other creature features have sort of started off with that very ominous like bump, bump. Um, and maybe not some like foot, like footprints, if you will, or like you know what I mean, like like smashing into the ground, but just that sort of like ominous beginning to each movie. Yeah, heavy beats, heavy. Drumming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this was definitely some killer footsteps. <laughs> See, I didn't even pick up on it being footsteps. I was just assumed it was you know ominous, heavy drumming. I didn't even the the footsteps oh, was... angle. 
didn't even cross my mind. You know, it's funny you say that because I maybe would have maybe thought the same way. I mean, obviously not when I was a kid watching this, but I mean, like, I would imagine you would think that it was just like the drum and not exactly, you know, him stomping around. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, like, I'm not saying that that's a, a wrong, you know, thought or way to, to read it. I just did. It didn't cross that way for me. I think they were definitely footsteps, though. I guess when you know Godzilla, when you've been exposed to Godzilla, then you know what's going to be his footsteps. But when it comes to the looks and the movement, I've got to give it to King Kong. I was already saying that I enjoyed the movement of King Kong earlier, and so he was already a tough competitor to beat, and then Godzilla just fell flat trying to compete in that battle there. Fell flat completely. Well, wow. I- not completely, but was destroyed by King Kong. Come on, <laughs> in the movement in the movement category. That I'm sounds just, like yeah, that's your I old mean, rivalry cropping up. Yeah, yeah. Right? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I kind of agree with Zach. I at the end of this movie, I feel Kong was the stronger movie experience but there are things that this movie does that i think are really awesome and the sound is one of them mm-hmm. particularly that opening sound and the noise that godzilla makes is so scary and metallic and it sounds man-made in a way it's otherworldly and outer space like and spooky and haunting but it it sounds like metal on metal yeah, Which I so think when you think about the the fears about the H bomb and nuclear destruction, it just totally perfect. Right. So, and, and while we're there, so the the sound that they were trying to come up with with Godzilla, um, originally they were trying to source other like animal sounds, almost kind of like what they did with the T Rex in Jurassic Park, where it's like you can hear an elephant, you can hear. There's other animal sounds that are distinct in there, but they do such a great way of sort of mixing it that it sounds unique. They kind of gave up on that, and, and the, the guy who did the score for this, which, again, I want to touch on because that's I think is another strong suit of this movie, is that they found a way to make his roar by, roar by uh, using a glove against like a really out-of-tune bass, like a, like a stand-up bass. So it's like rubbing all the way down, then rubbing back up, and then like mixing it and doing some stuff. In huh. the uh, in the post production of it, that's how his uh, his roar was made. That's surprising. I wouldn't have thought. What like what kind of glove? Like was it a? I think it, it, it was yeah. leather. I think. Yeah, I mean, it was something that obviously had to cause a lot of friction, so it wasn't. It shouldn't. It, it's probably not as maybe smooth as leather, but something that has some sort of coarse that creates like that noise, almost like sliding a pick down a string. Yeah. You would need that sort of like sound. But yeah, they like drop the uh, the tension on the string like a hell a uh, hell of a lot, and then they just roar, roar. you can tell there's some sort of there's different like roars that he has. One's like really expelling something, and one sort of maybe almost like inhaling something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of expelling something, how about that stuff it was expelling? Godzilla. <laughs> yeah it we if we want to refer to the name it we can do that if you want but um, it's a different movie it's a different I'm just a movie little yeah bit appalled by the creature but yeah no i think for in this case and later on obviously they did maybe a better job of sort of matting in or in later years cgiing uh what he expels out of his mouth um but here i think it's just like a mist and they sort of you know do some sort of maybe animation over it a little bit especially with his spine 
they do a lot of sort of uh, coloring and stuff on the on the edges of his spine. Yeah, the mist confused me because it it almost like when I first saw it, it looked like a like a freeze breath kind of effect almost. Like I first I thought it was smoke, and then it kind of looked like a like a freeze ray. And I think one of the I first agree. thing it shows is I think he does it on some like telephone pole looking things, and they kind of glow. Yeah, and I was like, oh, setup, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's those freezing. Like that's how the effect look. And then everything was bursting into flames, and I was like, wait, wait, oh, that's fire breath. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't but I mean, sure. I mean, you should you should know going into it, like Godzilla is a nuclear. It's like it's all the stuff that you've seen in like popular culture. He's not really freezing anything. He's igniting I, things. I feel like some Godzillas have other things besides just flame. Or is it only flame breath? Is it's it really like, only, he's really setting shit on fire. There's other like adversaries or chumps, as Zach like the the column that uh, spell out ice. I think, but um, okay. I think Godzilla for the most part uh, is just shooting the. Uh, the higher temperature of shit. Doesn't he have laser eyes at one point? No, see, I think we're confusing. No, so yeah, you're thinking of like, so there's like Mecha Godzilla, there's Gigan, oh, there's a whole bunch of other yeah, and Reptar. That uh, yeah, Reptar, sure. If you want to really get into this, <laughs> the, the child stuff. Well, I assumed it was radiation. Like it's got that white kind of mist, and yeah, it's not really supposed to look like a flamethrower per se. I mean, you're on the right track, Bridget. I mean, it's really supposed to be some sort of like blast of radiation, and it's supposed to look weird or whatever. But I mean, the fact that we know it uh, something that missed anything, or like we immediately think that okay, this guy looks like a you know a fog machine. No, but I like the nuclear mist angle. Because the 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 explosions were a little delayed, so you're right. It's not like a flamethrower. It is something where clearly it's activating something, you know, on the ground level. So that I like that explanation. Right, right, All right. So Zach, we got to the credits, we got to the stomping part. So as far as like, I know, I know it's a little slow. It's it's almost you know, arguably maybe as slow as King Kong in the beginning. There's a lot of things going on, and obviously both movies aren't as uh, as edited as well. Especially this one, I will I'll be the first one to agree that this one moves kind of slow. But I would say, like, where was sort of like your feelings with the movie in the first third of of, uh, of the flick, Zach? You know, for a while we didn't see him at all, and I think that was a smart less is more approach. It was also very interesting. I didn't expect the glowing water and then everything above it like evaporating, just getting totally incinerated. That was really interesting. I didn't know that was part of Godzilla or like part of his modus operandi. Like I said, I think it was smart to not blow their load by showing us the, the full Godzilla too early. Right, right, right. So, I mean, you have like that like initial boat attack. I think you have one in the beginning, and there's like a second one, and then they send out, I think, a couple. They just keep sending them out, and they just keep in, uh, getting incinerated. But I think the movie really sort of picks up around when we get to like that, that uh, fish, uh, the fishing village island. And you start to see some some of the like the horror that's in the movie. I mean, there's a lot of people that are very in, in a lot of despair in 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 that uh that particular sequence. But this this is the beginning where you, again, I what I like about this movie is they slowly reveal Godzilla. So I mean, maybe Bridget, what do you what what do you think about that sort of whole segment with the uh the the fishing village that's that's that scene? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, much more horrific. If you were to compare it to the village sequence in Kong, that sequence just plays in a classic disaster. In Kong, it plays as a classic 
disaster way of like you're just there to kind of watch the mayhem right and this feels more raw i would almost somewhat compare it to tape two of titanic um you feel much more well you just you feel much more invested in these people's stories and you you sense that their their lives are being destroyed you are very much on the villager side and the people's side throughout the movie your your sympathies very much lie with them and it gives the the mayhem factor a, a more of a gut punch i think um and just i the effects of the waves coming up and just the sheer force of it was just very overwhelming right yeah I, yeah i think in that's a I think it's one of the first sequences where we get, I mean, outside of maybe the model boats that we see in the beginning where we see sort of like a model piece of land or landscape in the movie. And like anything else that like it's like with this is that you sort of have to, it's something you have to swallow kind of like right away. You kind of like, okay, that's, this is a model. I'm going to see other environments with models and I'm going to try and do my best to imagine that this is a real place. And they do a really good job, especially when, after and I don't want to get too far ahead, but after Godzilla sort of you know stomps through the the island and it's like the next day, and you see the sort of like real hand devastation, like they did a really good job of making the village look like it was fucking crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they did a really good job with the model work overall throughout the whole movie. I oh think. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying like it's one of those things where I could see some people be like, oh, so I'm just I'm gonna be watching just model trains and model buildings be destroyed. I'm going to be taken out of it because I know it's just all on a soundstage. But um, I think the movie deserves a lot of credit in sort of uh, masking that and making you sort of get swept in right away with it's either the music or again, I think another thing that I want to touch on is the same thing with Kong is with the special effects, the way it was shot, the stuff, the cameras they had back then, the technology they had, the, the way it could look, the image itself it does itself a great service because it's sort of like blending those those scenes and everything that you're seeing and sort of putting you right in that environment but yeah that initial attack is 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 pretty intense but like the next day we maybe see call or excuse me I almost like call, see Godzilla for the first time coming over the hill adam what did you think about uh his reveal uh <laughs> Because that that's kind of like it's a make or break moment for a lot of people, and God. hopefully you had your sound going pretty good because the sound adds a lot to the uh, the part. But I, I do love the sound. I love the roar. I've said that already. Godzilla yeah. is a muppet. Godzilla, that's, that's all. That's oh, all I could oh, he went further than I did. <laughs> that's all I could think of. And th- again, this is very much the same kind of feelings I had about the the animation and the special effects of Kong. Is that Everything except the eyes is good. And I don't understand the incessant need in the 30s and 50s to put what are essentially googly eyes. Yeah, they're googly eyes for sure. On these menacing monsters. And so I get it for what it is. I understand, you know, it's a costume or whatever. I'm assuming that it's probably a guy in a suit, but that maybe the hand is above actually puppeteering the mouth because that would be the only way that i would think you would conceivably do that yeah 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 you're you're on the right track i think the way they did it is they did a lot of a lot of it was someone in a suit but like some of the close-ups would have been I, it looks almost like claymation style to me 
almost the way that sort of Kong moved and the dinosaurs moved. So mm-hmm. I think it's that, but like I, I don't think there's two. I mean, the guys' hands are in like Godzilla's hands. You know, yeah. they're not doing a lot, but I think it's just an extra like silicone weight on top of the human uh, whoever's in it, kind of moving around. And then when they go to a uh, you know a close up, it's more of like that sort of manipulation. It may have you're right. There may have been a hand up there at some point. But, well, because I but, feel like. Some of the scenes where he's like using his mouth extensively, so either you know chomping down on one of the you know the train cars or the subway cars or whatever they yeah. were, or some of the roars, especially in the very beginning where his head kind of comes over the the crest of the mountain, I yeah. can see that kind of like I don't really know how to describe that like pinch that like reverse pinching like the motion of the hand to open a puppet's mouth where like the area above like underneath the eyes oh, no, yeah i know you just know, a the, little bit excess material in the mouth or whatever or on the outside it looks like it's the same way when you put your hand maybe in a sock you can see yeah that easily like it's a hand rubbery. yeah well not the even so much that it's rubbery. rubbery but that like you can kind of see how what is manipulating this you can almost see the pressure points of the four fingers on top and the thumb underneath that's kind of like moving them. Um, so that part was just kind of like, okay, he's a giant, he's a giant puppet. Like, and you know, he's a man in a suit. He's basically, he's basically big bird to me at this point. And the, <laughs> and the googly, eye, and the googly eyes just kind of like, I just think they're very silly. I don't know they're, they're very silly. And there's a lot of close-ups of his eyes and he should probably have been an advising commercial at some point. Cause they are nice and white. They're very pearly white. Yeah. yeah. I think there are two, two faces too. Cause like there, there were different shots. I was noticing where you see less of the white. I think when you have the full body suit and he's moving around, but that close up sometimes it, it does. He looks yeah, like they, my they... cat. <laughs> a little bit. Right. Um, <laughs> they definitely have different suits and different faces for how how it's shot, like what cameras they are using, whether it's a wide or a medium or a close-up. They're definitely different models that they are using, even to the point where it seems like they're just using like a cardboard cutout, like moving in the background behind the action on figure. fire. Like there's even like yeah. that part where it's like it just looks like a, a 2D piece of uh, Godzilla moving in the background. Mm-hmm. It still looked pretty cool to me, but... Yeah, I mean, everything else about Godzilla, I like. Everything else about the the look of the creature, the suit itself. I really like the way they illuminate the scales when he's using his, you know, nuclear breath or whatever. Um, so I like all of that stuff. Again, it's just the face that, that gets me. It's and goofy, I, yeah. And I laugh at it every time, and it does it does take me out a little bit. Um, I don't... I don't know if that's just necessarily like a me thing and just how I perceive it. Um, but what did you like? Did it take you guys out at all? The the look at, or the goofiness of the face? A little bit. But I think in some ways this this film felt a little bit more choppy to me than than Kong feels. And I think without some of that forward momentum really keeping you locked in the some of the weaker points of the creature itself become more evident um but it's still you know fantastic design and the themes that run through yeah yeah. because like yeah because with kong there's a lot of other special effects going on you have the dinosaurs you have the jungle Mm -hmm. you have all this other stuff true so when so when you're expecting like oh i want to see something more than just like maybe this 
bit of a little soap opera shit going on for a little while with Sarah's yeah, Sarah Watson gonna... and stuff like that. And we'll touch on that. And I want to get into it right now, but it's it's one of those things where okay, now we're waiting to see Godzilla, and it can be a letdown, especially in the face of like King Kong and the stuff that we've been watching, because it's 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 been like a special effects show where this one you're sort of waiting for that hill of effects. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So and, um yeah, and even the way the movie approaches, you know, you have you have the destruction of the village, you have when you see Godzilla for the first time, but then you cut to this sort of more bureaucratic meeting, you have the the Jaws townhouse meeting if mm-hmm. you will, Oh yeah, totally. Of talking about what do we do? Do we release this to the press and there's there's more you're seeing more of the inner workings of, you know, how would a society respond in the face of a force like this whereas kong feels much more like we don't have time to think about the red tape just don't fall off the log it's a different tempo Mm -hmm. in in a lot of respects yeah it's a lot opposed because here it's spread out where kong you, you you don't see kong till like the second third in godzilla you see him whatever you see him kind of early and then gradually you see him over time kong is like you finally see him in the, in the second uh second third but again it's you're not just waiting around for kong there's a lot of other stuff on on display mm-hmm. uh to keep you sort of entertained in that respect but yeah I, i'm glad you brought up the the bureaucratic meeting because yeah i was it's, like good it's, for this it's... woman speaking up like <laughs> you know just taking over the show there it's very interesting and it's like it's it's with anything else, it's such a timely sort of argument about what is sort of be to be made public and what is not. And again, same with like the stuff that's going on Corona and like anything else where it's always been, you know, for the safety of the public or for the safety of these politicians livelihoods. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, I love the paleontologist. He's, he's a, he's a fun little character who just um, keeps touching everything. Even after being told, Oh time yeah. And I, time again, I love that. Not it's touch like, stuff. <laughs> When they're doing the radiation with the Geiger stuff, and he's manhandling all these uh, the bugs that are coming off of Godzilla's feet, and he's like, "You probably shouldn't have touched that." Well, there's so like, many of those like moments, like like "Oops" moments in this. And I get the and he's like, "Just take this daughter, <laughs> put it in this box." I like the excitement of like seeing this trilobite and picking that up. That one I totally get. But the guy's like, "It's radioactive. You probably shouldn't touch it." And then he starts poking the puddles and moving dirt around. I'm like, "Dude, what did he just tell you?" Get some gloves. Yeah, there's a lot of that. (laughs) Yeah, haven't you seen Chernobyl, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, does the paleontologist have an HBO Max subscription? Yeah, I don't know. But Zach, I I mentioned the paleontologist because you were talking about the fact that maybe Godzilla was originally conceived to be an octopus. And I love that he was talking about like deep sea crevices and stuff like that. And I was thinking about you. That was pretty cool. That was probably where they launched off from like an octopus being somewhere deep, like in deep sea. But no, I, I to something I wanted to bring up that it kind of connects to we were talking about how the looks of Godzilla, the form has to be functional in order to be believable. And I just don't see Godzilla functioning that well. He's like too much of a like a chunky, like brick of a existence. Well, he's been sleeping he, for he like need some years. Dude, I mean, he would need some limbs to do something. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of his a lot of his destruction and devastation is, you know, it's leg based. 
And I mean, he's got some he's got some thick thighs on him. So I yeah, think and that he's got that, 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 that really take tail that he's smashing the, around all over the place. His legs are like five uh, percent of his overall height. It's like <laughs> they're not big enough to propel him anywhere. And, no, I, and how's I think, he going to swim? I think you're seeing Godzilla when his when he's standing. You can see he's got like a deep knee bend and a deep ankle bend. So I think his legs extend a lot more than what you're seeing in this, uh, which would probably explain probably the swimming aspect of it and why he's able to kind of you know lift, lean and stomp is because he has more to his legs than what like he's got a very low center of gravity, but he's also got. A deep knee bend. Speaking of moving like a wrestler, huh? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, like, but, like even, but like even Zach too. Maybe and maybe this is really thinking too much about it. But I mean, when you think about animals that are usually not bipedal, when they stand up, what do they do? They like hide, almost kind of like a cat. You know what I mean? Like when my cat stands up mm-hmm. on its hind legs, it's completely yeah. hidden, and you can't even tell that he has much much longer legs. So I see what you're saying, and I do see the bend. I'm definitely exaggerating about how stubby his legs <laughs> I see are. The bend. But I but I still don't think it's enough. Of a leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not sold. Oh. <laughs> okay. You know what else kills it? I do like a lot about the movie. I, I'm really uh you know t- torn. I, I have like a like a middling review. There's positives and there's negatives, but one of the toughest things for me, kind of like Adam saying that the head looks like a Muppet. A deal breaker for me is some of the water scenes. It's splashing in the water like a kid in a bathtub. I mean, if this was if this was the real Godzilla at the size it's supposed to be, the water it would be moving would be biblical amounts of water. You know, like it would have such an impact. But in those scenes, it literally sounds like a kid splashing in a bathtub or like birds in a in a you know in a bird bath. <laughs> I know it just it, I I mean but can you describe to me how they would have done it back then? Yeah, I think it's I don't a limitation. Know, you have to get really creative, but I feel like there are there's there's got to be better ways to do it. You know, I know, even, but like the, like one of the best things to have that's like water is such a great way to sort of bring in a realism to a shot. You know what I mean? If you have like something that's relatively fake in water, like real water that's bouncing around, it it makes it look more realistic. Now, you can just tell the scale, though, that it's on such a small yeah, scale. Again, yeah, again, yeah, it's – it's, like it's, it, like I said earlier, with the village, when you first see the village, the models, it's just something you have to swallow. And like, yeah, there are times where maybe you have to swallow it a few more times over the rest of the movie because, again, it's not – you don't see him as much as where as soon as we get to Skull Island and Kong, it's, it's, a, it's an effect showcase for the next 90 minutes. They're far and few between, so they do stand out. Yeah, but and I you think just, you just you have to buy into it like right away. Godzilla well, you don't also, have to. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to. You, you don't have you don't to. Have I mean, to. you can ju- like I said, like I said, like I said before we even started this is that you're going to have two camps. You're going to have people that are going to enjoy it on that level where it's it's when they know it's fake and it's is what it is, or you sort of get swept into sort of the uh, all the sound and the somberness and everything else that's going on and have it be you know try and make yourself think it's as convincing as possible. I also think they took on a, a more difficult challenge by far than King Kong. Like King Kong needed to exist in nature among trees where it's a lot harder <laughs> to make a realistic city to stomp through. In my opinion, like Godzilla just, it wasn't an even playing field. So it's not really apples to apples. Mm. You well, probably, the size, not, well, I mean, the, the size and scale are different too. I mean, 
Godzilla's not a hundred or um, Kong's not a hundred and whatever feet tall yeah. the same way that, that Godzilla is. So that also throws kind of a wrench into the at least comparison aspect of it. Though I'm also sure we'll that get brings to up that more in the following weeks as we have them fight each other and stand toe to toe. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so like the first attack though on the city is I don't know if it's, it's the there's was the first attack and then the second attack when they put up all the perimeter, but the first attack is uh, is great, and I think bo- both attacks in the city are, are, are excellent. And what I love about it, and we're talking about, you know, the the look of uh, Godzilla and everything else. But what I can say is they keep him in the dark a lot, and they do it, and it and it works a lot. It's a little more menacing and nightmarish when it's it's just you. It, it's more convincing that he is in that environment opposed to if it was completely lit up. I totally agree. That was yeah. like a, a clever uh, strategy for them. Like if you can't make it look excellent, then conceal it with darkness. Yeah, and I thought those scenes were the, the scenes I enjoyed best of Godzilla when you could barely see him. He was barely lit. But it's great. Yeah, they, they do a great job of sort of, you know, they have the, the, the crowd running in the background and they, and they cut out, they crop off the top and mat in like Godzilla stomping on everything and everything's on fire. That was um, a good shot. It's a, it's a great shot, and there's a number of those in there that look rather, you know, good for their time, I suppose. Um, but I really um, – so that was a really – the first initial attack is great. Um, I just have this one line in between the first the second attacks, but there's this – obviously, you know, there's some soap opera aspects to this where it does drag. I will admittedly say that it does drag. A lot of it does drag, mm-hmm. and I will say I think – one of the benefits of watching the American version is they do reorganize and re-edit a lot of this stuff, so it probably maybe moves a little bit better. But I think it 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 hampers a lot of the sort of like I said, the post-war nuclear anxieties that are in this one. Um, but yeah, the, as far as editing goes with this movie, it's it's a thumbs down for me. Like it just it mm-hmm. it is what it is. It just it moves slow. I can see where they can kind of cut plenty of spaces in this movie and there's um, a lot of but, janky cuts too yeah yeah there are yeah correct yeah we're like it um, seems like there's missing film stock like you'd think that there'd be at least a couple extra frames like there's somewhere i think emiko's like turning and all of a sudden she's like facing front and then she's facing the other way and moving and i'm just like whoa what Come yeah on. it's it's <laughs> the very, film got like... destroyed in the first attack <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it yeah, and I, I am curious, and I haven't. I don't really know the history on it as far as because I know we, you know, as far as the United States, we have been at the forefront of sort of making Hollywood movies and making them look great. So I'm curious to see where sort of Japan sort of started picking up on this and how, because you think, okay, King Kong looked that good back then, and we're really comparing like apples to apples right now. Because I will say it, if anything, King Kong in many respects looks better than this. So I'm curious to see how advanced the Japanese film industry was to create this because you're right. I mean, Zach, I think one of the things you were mentioning before we uh, jumped on to watch the movie was that you talking about the advancement of a special effects opposed to Kong. Yeah, uh, I was hoping to see. Right. And I was and obviously I was hesitant to sort of like butt in to say anything about it. But I knew this was going to be a topic of discussion because it doesn't feel like I mean, it, if you put both side to side and you said, hey, someone who had never seen these movies, what years do you think – how far apart were these movies produced? I, I think people would say within a decade. You know what I mean? Like like a, a decade, maybe 15 years. But it's 
again, that's one of the things that I that I find to be sort of make a little bit of a letdown is that it should be more advanced, but it just it is its own thing and it moves at its own pace. And kind of where I was getting were some of the more soap opera moments where you know you have the boyfriend trying to propose the entire movie, and this guy is just moping around the entire movie about God. They're gonna kill Godzilla. They're gonna kill him. They're gonna kill him. And right when the guy's about to re- propose. Instead of like getting to the meat of it, he starts talking about Godzilla and how it like uh, he's like I and at the end of it he was like I wasn't very tactical about that was I? <laughs> well, no, because they were I mean they were trying to have the conversation with you know the Emiko's father and you know he obviously brings up Godzilla and it's I imagine this would be a thing that would probably be a, a hot topic of conversation amongst those in the know at the like trying to deal with this. So, oh no, it totally makes sense to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that the, the guy who's trying to propose, I forget his name. He's, you know, he's trying to, he's obviously has opinions about it and he's very much at the forefront because I think he's in the coast guard or he works. He's like, he's a captain. That's right. Um, Um, so I think that's why, like, they're both very close to it. So I can see why he kind of flew off the handle a little bit, uh, in terms of, at least in terms of Japanese manners to be like, no, we have to, like, we have to kill him. Like we have to, there's too much destruction. It's too much. We have to stop it. Like, yeah, we could figure out shielding from atomic bombs, but also he could level the entire country in a matter of weeks if he wanted to. So like, (laughs) what good is, what good is that if we can't stop him somehow? Yeah. Um, Yeah, Not very tactful. Yeah. Not very tactical at all. Bridget, so I want to maybe step into sort of the uh, the sort of post-war commentary on this. Did you mm-hmm. think it was fairly overt? I mean, what were sort of, oh. sort of your thoughts on this? Oh, yeah. And this movie in some ways, like, you know, the, the bombings at Hiroshima in 1945. So you have Hiroshima and Nagasaki are bombed on August 6th and 9th, uh, respectively, of 1945. Uh those are very much in throughout the movie. There's an explicit reference to Nagasaki at one point. There is the people at the field hospital that you see near the end of the film. Like it's to me, I think it's clearly implied they're suffering from acute radiation poisoning. There's a really harrowing scene of the mother with her three children saying, we're going to go, we're going to join be your with father. Yeah. Yeah. And the, impl- like, I-, I didn't get the, you know, it's not explicitly stated. I didn't get the implication that, like, he died in a car accident kind of thing. Oh, I assume he-, he died in a Godzilla attack. <laughs> oh, well. I actually thought that, too. Yeah, I yeah. thought that maybe, I thought that maybe she would have been, like, maybe, like, one of the uh, the wives that bust in early on in the beginning when the boats are sort of being bombed off. Yeah. And, like, oh, being like, true. oh, like, where, where's my husband? Where's my husband? What's mm-hmm. going on? I want her name. Yeah, and but, like those names came up and they weren't them or whatever. And she just, mm-hmm. she knew that he was dead because of this. I don't, yeah, you're right. It wasn't because of some sort of, you know, yeah, uh, it, it, accident. yeah he, he went quietly in his sleep, but the, even like closer than, than the uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings uh, is an incident called the Lucky Dragon 5 incident, which actually happens in March of 1954, about two months before they start production on this film. And the Lucky Dragon 5 was a tuna fishing boat that was out in the ocean and was 
exposed to radiation after the U.S. was testing a bomb called the Castle Bravo, an H-bomb, which they also talk about explicitly, at Bikini Atoll. And so the ship comes back and the men are all poisoned. One of them dies pretty shortly after they get back. They suffer from pretty serious health issues. It's a huge thing in Japan at the time. And it sparks a lot of concern, compounding concern, uh, about nuclear fallout. You know, this is a country that relies very heavily on fishing, so there's environmental concerns. You see the older man in the village talking about first the fish are going to die and then we're going to die. Really mm-hmm. talking about that sort of symbiotic relationship between, you know, them as a community of humans and also the elements of nature that they're dependent on. And you really see that, too, when I think there's the one scene where the fishing boat comes back and they're like, it's never been like this before. It's never been this dry. We've got nothing in these nets. And you see that I think there's a group of like eight or ten people all standing there, one of which is the old guy who knows the entire history of Godzilla. But they're just like you can see on their faces that they're just like, shit, we are we're in deep, deep here. Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting I thought it was interesting to kind of interplay where the uh, younger person, a young woman says, oh, there's no such thing as Godzilla these days, which, and then he says, you're, you're a dummy. You're being a bother. (laughs) You're being, you're being a bother in so many words, which I think, you know, might have been the attitude of like a lot of younger people. Like, yes, this horrible thing happened, but it's not something we're going to, it it couldn't happen again. And I think if you were of the generation who's there and lived through it as, someone more cognizant you would you would be very wigged out and concerned well yeah Um, that that, that's echoed too on the train when the woman's talking about nagasaki where they're like i don't want to move again and it's like okay this is more than just putting you out because you have to move like these are earth shattering moments i know but it's also it's interesting you know as we are living through a pandemic you know Mm -hmm. that sort of the fatigue of like I have had to live like this forever. I can't. I can't expend any more mental bandwidth on this. Mm-hmm. In, I'm not just going to keep moving. I have to live. But just an interesting figure. What I thought was interesting: uh, approximately 650,000 people are considered uh, hibakusha. I think is the term. I apologize if I pronounced it incorrectly. <laughs> and these are people that survived the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The death toll is somewhere between 129 to 220,000 between the two bombings. So they're out. But mm-hmm. today there are still 136,000 people who like are still alive who are survivors of that bombing. That's crazy. Which is, you know, and so wow. to see these themes kind of run through a lot of Japanese culture, it's so you you just can't overstate it. Yeah. Um, and what I think is interesting, too, where you really see the difference between Kong and Godzilla and where you see the difference of, like, this is an American film and this is uh, a Japanese film. Kong has a much more individualist bent, right? It's about someone who wants to make a movie. It's going to be this big deal. And then it turns into, I'm going to bring this animal back and show everyone. It's going to be this big thing. 
And a theme that runs through Godzilla is people who are, you know, much more concerned about the collective who are Mm -hmm. doing things and making decisions uh, based off of what is going to be the best thing. So you have the big sacrifice at the end, but you even have the reporter who stays reporting Mm -hmm. as Godzilla's Muppet face is coming towards him. (laughs) He's just like, he's getting closer. This is going to be, you know, no um, time to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's coming. It's coming now. I think it's going to happen right now. It's about Farewell, to happen everyone. right now. I'm about to die right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives this movie an interesting bent. So. For sure. That's yeah, my yeah. that's my history book report. Nice. Oh, it's section great. of nice. the podcast. Well, and I do think too. I mean, I, I I said I didn't see it necessarily as uh, I saw it as a Godzilla attack, but I think you're right in with the themes running throughout and the cultural and historical implications of it, it does now, it's like, now that you bring it up, it does seem like that woman might have been saying, we might have lost dad in the war or in the bombings, Mm -hmm. um, given, you know, given everything else that it's trying to kind of get across thematically. Yeah. Or even in the testing, just like Mm -hmm. all the political ideas that the movie had in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that Godzilla covered some more, important meaningful themes like it had a statement on history and on humanity whereas king kong was a lot smaller scale uh message but still still a powerful one about like um you know greed and you know those important themes but but this was a larger scale you could destroy the world this way like look at the destruction right right i will say i think probably the most poignant movie uh excuse me moment in this movie is the uh the choir singing it's pretty effective you know what i mean they show like the destruction that he does and everything and it's very sort of you know uh reminiscent of the images you maybe would have seen from hiroshima the, like the uh, the aftermath of this building just smoldered to death all you see are the frames of buildings so there's a lot of that sort of uh, imagery that I'm sure would conjure up, you know, the, the sort of the Hiroshima actions by us, <laughs> but that it, uh, it you feel it, you know, I mean, that's probably the most, maybe the most emotional part of the movie. Are you talking about at the end when they're trying to like, when they're like pray for us and they're trying to convince the, the guy to release his. No. Wait, so is that there's, when the singing there's... comes in? Because they're yeah, because they hear it on the radio. It's a broadcast. But yeah, then that's only Sarah Wazza hearing it in the lab. And... Yeah, where Sarah Wazza was like, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to do this or not. And then yeah, like yeah. on the broadcast is the choir singing about like hope and praying, and we're gonna get through this. That convinces him, and I thought that was a, a, a nice moment. I did think it was a little undercut by the fact that it immediately cut back to to Sirizawa and he's like, okay, I'll do it. I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, again, it just, it's, there are. <laughs> it's like, I will never, ever, ever. And then cutscene, he's doing it. Yeah. He's well, it's like some kids, some, some kid, yeah, some kids singing. He's like, all right, fine. The kids, the kids said praise. So I'm going to do yeah, it. Yeah. Zach, what did you think about uh, Sarah Waz's, uh Oxygen Destroyer? I think the name is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Unobtainium in Avatar. <laughs> it's like. But, uh, you couldn't come up with a better name, but it's um, very on the nose. It's I wonder really... if it's an issue of translation, but it is. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it direct. It, yeah, and there's another. It's another very direct. Right, and there's another quote, uh, quote early on where I don't think it's probably exactly what he said in Japanese, but it's like the old fisherman uh, on that island, the village island, and they're like right before Godzilla attacks and the storms coming. He says something to the effect of, "No matter what, how you slice it, this is serious." 
Yeah. For did sure. you did you see that? <laughs> I'm like, that's probably the best like quote in the entire movie. Yeah, they, right. Also, it is serious. It is serious. <laughs> it's very serious. I will say though, I don't know if you guys, and I'm kind of jumping uh, not ahead in the movie, but sort of talking about. So we've seen sort of this like allegory of you know nuclear war and this and that. But have you guys seen Cloverfield? Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, yes, definitely they, some inspiration. They definitely had a lot of inspiration with using 9/11 sort of anxiety that we had at the time with sort yeah. of like buildings falling and the smoke and just people panicking in the streets. The very sort of uh, you know homemade video shaking the way that you would have seen it like that day. So there's a lot of inspiration there, even beyond the sort of you know monster movie traps that it has in that movie. And inside, no, I, I I enjoy that movie a lot. It's it, it was a great movie. It had probably one of the best marketing campaigns. Mm. for a movie ever it just like you for just sure. know what the hell you were getting yourself into but Cloverfield owes a lot to this movie mm-hmm. yeah and so do like basically every monster movie going forward you know yeah this definitely it 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 hits on a, a really just big anxiety for I think anyone of what would you do if you were met by just an unstoppable force like whether it's a radioactive lizard or a uh, hurricane, natural disaster, war. Uh, how do you cope? What do you? What sort of actions are you going to be able to take? Uh, along with space, uh, it's a big worry of mine <laughs> that I have a lot. You know, like who am I? How am I going to get a hold of my fiance? Do I go to my mom's or do I go to my dad? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it it feels the fear feels much more grounded than it is in Kong. This mm-hmm. Kong is, is very fantastical and it's on an Island far away. And so distant up until you get to him right. rampaging in New York. But even that feels in a way inaccessible. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 yeah. It feels like, like I think to your point is that with King Kong, there's really no big event before that, that you would sort of like people would live in the wake of that. They could sort of be like, how am I going to respond? Okay, I've lived through this. I'm going to try and respond how this event, like how I responded to this, or do better than I did last time, like prepare better. So for here, it's in the wake of World War II, so and and all the uh, nuclear bombing. So all these people, you know, are are fully aware of maybe what they need to do. They're they're familiar with those sirens and the bells ringing, but with Kong, there's nothing really before that. So it's there's not really an anxiety you can tap in with it other than oh, I've never seen uh, a gorilla that big in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which well, also what about the, the traveling adventure spirit of it? Yeah. Kong, yeah. Kong is an adventure movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah that, that's one movie. of the biggest, I think it's one of the biggest attributes of that movie. The, the, one of the best things is that it's, it feels whimsical. It's a, it's a spectacle. It's adventurous. Um, and that's very much a, uh, a theme that, you know, uh, later iterations, especially Jackson's that did a great job with is they kept it to being a very sort of swashbuckling adventure movie. And you have, you know, the Denzel, you have the hero, you have the beast. It would just it's it's a story you're so familiar with and all the pieces are so well put together with the original Kong that, you know, they're not that they're not the first first ones to do that, but they did it very well. But here you don't have that. You just have just a very grim, somber allegory to post-nuclear threat and anxiety mm-hmm. in the face of a bipedal lizard that's 200 <laughs> feet tall. 
I can tap into the fear and the anxiety of both, but I totally see what you're saying. Godzilla's story is more relatable to our lives because we live in society, not way out in this isolated area of nature. But if we were to go like on an adventure like that, I can relate to the anxieties and fears you'd have out there. And it's like a different type of fear. It's like one of them is like home invasion. And the other one is like you are going out into the unknown. Yeah, like you signed up for this. The other people didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like (laughs) Alien. I would say Kong is more similar to Alien because you're going out and finding this thing rather than it coming into your home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your playing field. At least least these guys are on their their own turf in Godzilla. But at the same time, that's even scarier in a different way because it's like you might not have a turf anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least when the beast showed up on your home turf, that the uh, the pilots hit Kong. Here, it was like watching the stormtroopers. Like, did you what? see? Like, they missed every that? fucking shot. Like, what I was, was like, him away, though. At I least they was, scared him away. I guess. But like, was that a limitation of the times where they couldn't have one hit him? Yeah, I was so. Yeah, I, I I've seen that so many times, and and again, I it's. I adore the movie, and it's one of those things where it's you got to be like, okay, it's the original, it's 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 the one that started it. Is it the best? A lot of what's a lot of people would say it is, had but no seeking missiles, you know. But I mean, yeah, you're right. It looks Slept like someone tail. shooting a Roman candle off the side of the camera. You know what I mean? And missing every shot, like like fire the PA who they they hired to do this. But it works a lot better later on in the movies. They actually hit Godzilla. That was one thing that I was like, God, man, they're missing every shot, and it's been like thirty missiles. <laughs> Well, what was well, weird, just, too, is right beforehand, I think it was right beforehand, they were shooting him with, like, the tanks. and The, the tanks, tanks, and they were nailing him. Nailing him. And you see the little, like, it almost looked like they were going right through him. Like, it almost looked like they were holes just the way the smoke was emanating. <laughs> but, like, you saw him get hit. I don't know why you couldn't hit him with at least one of those missiles and have him... Because he goes down in the water like he's been hit or injured, and he hasn't been. He couldn't have been because they he was missed. just distracted. That's what he was. Yeah. <laughs> so Apparently, missiles had no aim back in the day. Just yeah. like a threatening weapon that you just cannot be accurate with. Right. Definitely, not, hum- definitely not human error. Yeah. He thought it was like a sparkler exit at a wedding. He's like, <laughs> it's time for me to go. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. I will say, because we're kind of in that that moment, but the part where I think it's the second attack where he's laying waste to everything and getting shot up by the, the military and everything, that's my favorite part of the of the movie. I think everything before and after that is just, it's meh, uh, but that part was, was really cool. Though it did have the hokiest of the, the models, which is, I think there's a fire truck that crashes into the building, but it has a little fireman like figure oh, on yeah. the side of it. Yeah. And it looks like a Lego, oh, no. looks like a Lego truck being knocked into a building. Yeah, I laughed really hard at that one. But every like everything else in that was I thought that the devastation was great. I thought the bursting into flames was great. I've already said, you know, I already mentioned the, right. the use of nuclear breath and all that stuff. That sequence and and the military hitting him with the tanks and they've got the big guns and the, the Gatling guns and everything. That was my favorite my favorite sequence of Towers melting was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that mm-hmm. a lot. It just and again to the point where it it's shot in a way where they know that it looks the way it does. So they're shooting it in shadow. They're shooting in the dark. It looks that good. It looks, mm-hmm. it almost looks like if someone pulled out like an eight millimeter camera and was watching Godzilla roam the city. Like that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, I there's a lot of interesting it shots wasn't like full with Godzilla. Power Rangers yet. <laughs> it wasn't full Power Rangers yet. Yeah. You, you'll get that next week. 
like some of the shots with Godzilla, like I really like the one where he's looking through the birdcage into the apartment. It's mm-hmm. like so goofy and weird. And there's another one where he's like attacking a building. And you can see him outside of the building. That was always a thing that I really, when I watched Godzilla movies when I was a kid, or vanilla movies, excuse me, um, <laughs> that uh, I always envisioned a sort of POV perspective of what was happening when Godzilla was attacking, because that was probably maybe the earliest action of doing that, and later on they never sort of revisited that at all. They did later on in newer movies like in the 90s and uh, later on, but... That's the one thing that I really liked about like something like Cloverfield that it stayed with human character the entire time, and that perspective of being that small against something that big was incredible. That's I think it's one of the best things that worked for something with a movie like that. And then with like Godzilla in 2014, same thing. A lot of those shots are 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 shot in a way where the human characters are made to look tiny compared to him, and it's very effective. How do we feel about the finale? Mm-mm. Nope. So I thought it was a pretty cool concept. <laughs> what happened? I'm just laughing at Adam. Like, no. Uh, did did, did uh, Park for Adam? I thought yeah. it was a pretty cool concept that he's going to sacrifice his life and die with his creation to make sure that it's gone forever. That was very noble. That was a cool concept. However, the execution of that underwater footage is. Like I said earlier, when he's splashing in the water, it's god-awful. It kills the illusion because it's too small scale of water moving. And the underwater scenes also kill it for me. Like the the shot of Godzilla sleeping underwater, it was like, rock-a-baby. Like, oh, see, I like, like that. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, actually, What's he doing down there? He's snoozing, man. He's catching yeah. some Zs. man I don't, <laughs> It was just that was really hokey. So it depends if you're into it for the hokey parts, like if you're really enjoying the crazy eyes and stuff, which which I can enjoy that too. But uh, well, I mean, I mean, I, what, what you, would you say? I mean, and we'll get to this, but I, we can land on it now. But I mean, do, do the eyes and the the weirdness and the goofiness of some of the shots of Godzilla is it a deal breaker for you? It bothered me with King Kong. Also, I liked King Kong's body and his movement. But his face, why does it have to be goofy? Because I love I love the goofy aspect uh, of Kong. It my priority look, here, it made him look like a complete psychopath. Yeah. Like like it made him look like he was so <laughs> unhinged silly. that like like he was smiling, then like like wanna fucking kill you, and like with like like really grisly face, and then smile again. That's well, what so- I loved about that first scene with Godzilla showing up is that. They didn't really know like how to like manipulate his face with all the, the uh, the motion, uh, all, all the claymation and everything. But it, it, his lips and the way his eyes moved and everything, it, it, he looked so unhinged, so unhinged. So let me tell you where I'm coming from. I I agree <laughs> with you. I agree with you that they look crazy. Um, but my what I'm looking for in these movies is I actually want to be terrified. I want to believe that it's real and be terrified by it. That's what I'm really after. And although that's fun and it can be cool, it doesn't hit that, you know, mark. I know, but you're also uh, 35 years old and it's 2021. But there's movies that can scare me still. Yeah, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're watching a movie from 1954 where, you know, they have to use – stop motion they have to use models and they have to use you have to think about the limitations right. yeah yeah so like 
that part's not a deal breaker for me. So many other things in the movie are, but it's not the it's not the suit and it's not Godzilla. I actually like the underwater scenes too. I thought it was actually kind of impressive given the times that they were able to get they do an underwater shot. Yeah, really. Yeah. So I was actually I was actually quite impressed by that. Um, yeah, the sleeping Godzilla is a little funny, um, but I was actually quite enjoying that part of that sequence. It was kind of the the thing I didn't like about the ending uh, was the fact that. I didn't like the fact that the scientist, um, what's his name? Um, Sarah Waza. Yeah. I didn't really get who he, I don't know if I missed a subtitle somewhere. I didn't really get who he was in the grand scheme of things other than he lost his eye in the war. So he's the, this is where we get into the soap opera. I did pay attention. Okay, I was going to say you paid attention Um, to this. (laughs) I paid attention. He is a friend of the paleontologist. They've been friends for a while. He is a war veteran. That's why mm-hmm. he doesn't have his eye, and that's why they think he's mopey. But it's actually because he's carrying this dark secret on his heart of he has this weapon of mass destruction and all that. But he, because of his relationship with the paleontologist, he is in sort of an arranged relationship with Amiko mm-hmm. and is her fiance. And so the other salvage captain who she's actually in love with, like that whole conversation where she's like, I'm going to go see him right before he shows her the weapon. She's going there to break up with him. Yeah, I I caught that part. I just didn't get his like job and where that factored into it. Um, Oh, he's just, just, you know, like in Hollywood, you just, what's your job? I do. I'm a scientist. Yeah. What does that entail? (laughs) Well, I feel like I would have liked I feel like I would have liked it a lot more if this because this movie obviously has, you know, huge disaster movie vibes. And I feel like I would have preferred the oxygen destroyer to be the creation of a bunch of lab scientists where they're arguing about whether or not it's good for humanity versus this one guy who just invented this thing that does it. I would have preferred, I feel like the ending would have been more impactful. It could could have had the same kind of love triangle aspect to it, which... Mm -hmm. I didn't really care for, but no. you could still include that part of it if he was on a committee of people developing it, not just like, I have this secret, I can't tell you the secret, here's this, you know, uh, blurry fish tank, and she screams. Yeah, like it- this, yeah, all the stakes of that whole negotiation feel taken out. The love triangle has no legs because she just outright says, like, well, he's like a brother to me. Yeah. And then when they go and confront him to basically beg him to use this now it's not like she goes alone and she's like working off of this shared understanding shared relationship they have she brings the new boyfriend too and he's the one who's like hey dude be cool yeah just use it and some of the steam gets taken out by the fact that you it's revealed what the weapon does i almost would have enjoyed it more if all we knew was the tank going bubbly and her going, oh. Yeah, and you and- can explain Oxygen Destroyer and you can still explain what it does. But the seeing it happen with a fish and then seeing it happen 10 minutes later with Godzilla, I was like, okay, I, I already saw this kind of taking place. And it I don't think it lived up to the level of her scream. Granted, a bunch of fish died right in front of her face. And that's probably, you know, uh, traumatic pers- uh, potentially. But I didn't. I didn't really like what it did. It seemed very anticlimactic at the end. And the ending seemed more about the sacrifice of of the creator than it was about Godzilla, which I no, feel like is Adam, did you, did you think he was going to survive that? Um, no, I didn't necessarily. I figured they'd have to 
in an, in the era in which this was made, I, f- I felt like there had to be a definitive kind of ending to him. I didn't think they would leave it ambiguous. It's They wouldn't have been out to make a franchise per se or create sequels or anything like that. So I thought it would be a definitive ending um, and that he probably would die. But I figured it might be something where they realize in the beginning, I thought maybe it'd be something they realized that like they don't want to use a bomb because they saw the devastation of the bomb on them. But they realized the only way to defeat Godzilla is to you know, drop a nuclear bomb down his throat and he'll, you know, explode and keel over on the beach or something. So I knew he was probably going to not make it through this movie. Uh, but I feel like in the end, it was more about the sacrifice of Sarah Zala than it was about the death of, of Kong. And I don't yeah, feel like I agree with that. They, the right thing for this movie. They did say there will be more, though. Like, there's got to be others in the vast ocean out there. There's got to be other Godzillas, and they will come they did, again. Yeah. Like, we'll disrupt them again. So they left it open for, you know. Yeah. But I, well, I, I agree with that you. It was more about the guy making that noble sacrifice of himself. Inviting the yeah. chumps into the world. Inviting the chumps. The end where he is sort of saying, you know, we've had this one person, we've dealt with this one monster but as long as the h-bomb is out there there's still a threat as long as essentially humanity is out there we're still a threat to ourselves we can't help it as much as one person's sacrifice might have changed the game for us in this one instance yeah and that that speech is really good and that's why i feel like the sacrifice is even more worthless because it's like okay that yeah cool he did that he saved us but that ultimately does not matter because of like you said humanity so that being overplayed godzilla's death is just like okay why you just immediately undid your big emotional ending rightly so because Mm -hmm. the professor is right that that is going to be forever a problem as long as we're willing to escalate in war to this degree uh you immediately just give gave away your big emotional ending 30 seconds later to make the correct point but it it does take away from the ending a lot in that regard. Johnny, what would you do in this situation? Godzilla appears out of the ocean. Are you on the on the boat of let's study him and learn from him and we can't kill, you know? Or would you be like, we got to get rid of this guy immediately? Because if you do want to stand a chance against something like this, I feel like you need to be get on your toes quickly and, you know, start start going toe to toe with this thing as quickly as you can. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the kid in me wants me him to survive so I can enjoy uh, all those fine films that came out mm-hmm. later on. But um, I will say, if you're asking me seriously, I would say that as if he just didn't cause. A, as much damage as he did that it'd be like, okay, let him, let's, let's figure out, let's study him. Let's do that. But the fact that he did what he did. Yeah. He's got it. He's got to go. We got to, we got to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Like I like, like one, one, one death is, is enough. You know what I mean? Like it's, he's, he's got to go. So, but we instigated him and woke him up. Right. And fucked with him. We, we put bombs in his. So we're supposed to just like, lay down and let him just <laughs> take us or what? Yeah, I think like if since we've been doing it the whole time, I feel like with with King Kong, he's more sympathetic because we took him out of like or the not us, but, you know, the characters took him out of his environment, put him in this other one, brought it on themselves. And 
you know, he was just minding his own business and kind of got fucked with pretty hard. Yeah, that happens to Godzilla too, especially with, you know, the bombs destroying his habitat that we learn. Um, but I don't think it's the same. I don't think there's any sympathy towards Godzilla, at least in what the movie is trying to craft and tell us where there there is some sympathy with Kong because there are moments where he looks sad that he's, you know, being chained up or being attacked where and he's just trying to protect the, you know, the beautiful woman. Whereas yeah, he's more Godzilla's because he has like affection for this woman. Yeah, and Godzilla's all destruction. And I feel like because of that, Johnny, I, I'm with you, Johnny. I gotta yeah. go. I mean listen, if if you call affection tickling and taking off the clothes, uh that's what Kong does. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> so there's a part um, two to the question. Are you cheering for Godzilla? I know at some point you are. Are you cheering for Godzilla in this movie? No, I'm not. I, I obviously you want to see some really cool stuff going on, but like I they do such a good job of setting up that like he is a terror, he's a terrorist and he's destroying a a country that is in the wake of a tragedy. And it's it's if if you're if you're swept up into it, it can be a hard walk. It's like like I don't want to see any of these people die. With like Kong, it's like it's like it's like playing. Uh, and I can see where the inspiration came from with like the game uh, Rampage, where you sort of like run around, and you just throw humans into your mouth, and you just eat them. You know what I mean? There's no consequence. There's no sort of backstory. Mm-hmm. There's none of that. So with Kong, you're more concerned about the uh, the well-being of Faye uh, or Anne, whatever her name was in the movie, and Kong. But he, uh, there's no sort of fear for the people in that movie, I think. It's really yeah. just a, as an amusement. Here they set it up like it's not going to be amusement to see these people die. You're going to not like it. Like it shouldn't be an amusement. Yeah, and just I'm playing devil's advocate here because it's it's a really interesting – question when it comes to morals but um so how much damage is godzilla how much damage does he really do and then is he retreating and is he gonna come back you know he might have just responded to being prodded like you messed with where he lives he's gotta you know deforestation like so he's gotta come out from there where's he gonna go he came onto our turf but then we scared him away. He left. Is he coming back? We don't know. Do we really have to go fuck with him and kill him now? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're Zach. I think they're really. I mean, uh, the movie gives you plenty of opportunities to look at that because he comes back a number of times. It's like, uh-huh. okay, this guy keeps coming back. Like we have to do something about it. It's not like he just shows up once and he's like, "You fucked up my man cave down there, and I'm gonna fucking fuck up yours but- and just light up something and then go back and be like." But no, he keeps coming back. So it's it's it becomes more than a nuisance for a lot of people in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, I still have. There's still some glimmer, you know, that he he is a creature. You know, he's just being pushed out of where he lives, and we really fucked with him. And you know, do we still have some empathy for him? Is there any empathy in our hearts? No. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. A little, but only because I think in other movies, the later movies that come, you know, he does transition into more of an ally in a lot of respects. A lot, yeah. And I I think I was hoping for that in this movie, and I, I knew it wasn't coming, but it does, Johnny, to your point, it does make this movie a little bit harder to watch. This is not really a popcorn you don't 
get to enjoy the mayhem from a distance in the way that you do with King Kong. I have to say one thing that this movie definitely made me feel was I want to go back and watch that most recent Godzilla movie because I feel like it has the same tone and it's done now that they have the capabilities to do it really well. Like the things that were missing from this one in the execution, now they're capable of doing it. And I feel like they did it with that same very serious tone. I feel like uh, this newest one is the first time they've hit that level of a serious tone since the original. So it's got me motivated to go watch that again. I think in general, the way it ended with the uh, the scuba uh, bringing down the uh, oxygen destroyer, that it it was kind of slow. It looked cool because there was video underwater, but I did like sort of the music and the, the hero, you know, killing Godzilla. And I I know I, I I dug it. I think it I think it was a nice bookend. It wrapped up nicely for at least for me. We're all nodding our heads. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear the nod? Yeah. Our, our friends in the audience. Mm-hmm. So anybody else have any final thoughts? Any, anyone want to put a bow on their, on their experience? I think we got it. I think, uh, I don't know, as far as across the board, what? so just a thumbs up, a thumbs down. You guys you guys enjoyed this movie. I think we enjoyed this all together on, on, on some level or another. Mm. Um, Adam, I think I was going to say maybe Adam. Maybe I'm leaning a bit more this, but. Yeah, I'm leaning a bit more thumbs down. I just think the the love story bit kind of dragged it down. Yeah, uh, I I liked more of the the politics of it and the disaster movie element of how do we deal with this? What do we do? And I would have probably liked to seen that track go a little bit, you know, go more in that direction than the love triangle and singular scientist who had the magic cure the whole time. But I thought, you know, the Godzilla destruction pieces were cool, uh, even if I think the eyes are googly eyes and he looks like a Muppet. But <laughs> I thought at least the Godzilla doing Godzilla things was good. So I, it, it's not all negative for me. I do like the Godzilla aspects of it. Just some of the other stuff where it chose to focus its time, I think, brought it down a lot for me. Right. Yeah, and, uh... I kind of I, I lean a little bit towards where Adam is. You know, of the Godzilla movies I saw when I was a kid, they're definitely, they're more lighthearted. And this movie, it's hard to enjoy the mayhem in a lot of ways, which I think is is the right choice. But it, it does impact the viewing experience. So I did enjoy viewing this from an academic sense, but didn't enjoy it in the same way that I enjoyed Kong. I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's. It, I love this movie, but I will say that Kong is is a much more entertaining movie mm-hmm. by far. Again, I love the somber, dark mood of this. It's very uh, moody. The, mo- the the movie is very moody. Where again, where Kong was lighthearted with like stark images of dummies flying around, which. They do spectacularly well in that movie. But Bridget, are you in King Kong's corner or are you in Godzilla's corner going into next week? Um, sorry, Vanilla. I'm, I'm oh, going no. with Kong. Sorry. Going, going, going for the mammal. All right. <laughs> I'm going with Kong. And, uh, A cold-blooded move to go with the warm-blooded animal. Mm-hmm. Had to do it. <laughs> 
Um, and Zach, what, any, any final notes with uh, with uh, Godzilla? You know, I had a mixed review. Obviously, I was tearing up certain aspects. And I said the same thing about King Kong, that there, there is terrifying intimidation in nature. And I think even back then, if you get a really good artist, then you can capture some of that terror that's in nature and, and made Godzilla actually scary. I know we were talking about the limitations, but I st- also King Kong, the face should have been, could have been scarier. That's it was terrifying. But there were a lot of good things, like uh, the fact that these guys touched on about how it was harder to watch the destruction because it was so serious and real-world consequences. That was pretty cool about it because it was effective from that angle, that goal that it was trying to accomplish to make us really think about nuclear energy and stuff. Zach, have you flip-flopped at all? Are you are you still team Team well, King Kong going into next week? Again, if Godzilla had a shape, a shape that was functional, that made sense, I could get behind him. I think I'm <laughs> going with King Kong because of the way he's built. Need a better form factor for you, huh? Yeah, he had like the same build as Barney. <laughs> and you can't move that well with that with that build. Hmm. I uh, I will say. Even though I enjoyed the movie less, I think Godzilla is a cooler looking monster. So at least for me, despite liking King Kong more as a movie, uh, I think I'm leaning Team Godzilla. All right. Well, we'll have like to see. Oh. Yeah. yeah I, I will say I'm still in Godzilla's corner. So we got two against two right now. Yep. Uh, we will see who comes out next week in the, uh, the first bout. But uh, Adam, why don't you take away to uh, finish off this uh, podcast? Cool. All right. Well, Zach, I want to thank you uh, once again for joining us. Uh, this is how did you feel your second time out? Oh, it was a lot of fun again. Nice. So, yeah, I think we talked a little bit, Zach. We're going to probably have you back for some of these other uh, big monster clashes. Awesome. Um, so uh, make sure to uh, like and subscribe so that way you can hear the rest of March monster movie madness. Uh, so we, we we will be doing, as we've mentioned, the original uh, Godzilla versus King Kong next week. So stick around to see which team comes out on top. Is it Bridget and Zach in Team King Kong or Johnny and I in Team Godzilla? We will figure that out. We'll figure out if we like the movie uh, or if in, if that movie changes our opinion of which monster we think is cooler. Um, we'll do that. But that will do it for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, So let us know what you think of the Godzilla franchise. Do you enjoy this original take? What do you think about the American version that came out a few years later? Uh, And who are you rooting for in next week's Godzilla versus Kong original battle that we will be uh, taking a look at? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. Uh, But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Johnny. I'm Bridget. And thanks so much for listening.